The following audio is presented by Grace Church. For more about us, visit discovergrace.com, or you can download our free app by searching Grace Church Orlando on your phone or tablet. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come before you and we hear a story like this, and it's just, wow, God. It's so much brokenness and so much heartache, and even in the midst of all of that, you continue to move and continue to shape and continue to change lives, God, even like Laura, God. And so, Father, I pray that you, this morning, that you would give us ears to hear, God, that you would open us up, that we would see that even in the midst of our brokenness, even in the midst of our stories, that you are present, that you're good, that you love us, that you have a plan for us, and that it's better than anything we could imagine. And so help us speak through me this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Clint Harrison. I'm the teaching pastor here at Grace Oviedo. And so really glad you're here. This is our first steps weekend. And so speaking of steps, I want to tell you a little story. So uh, several months ago, I went and ran a race. It was a savage race with a couple guys in my GC. GC is our Grace Communities or our small groups. And so a guy named Kenny, I don't know if he's here this morning or in this hour, but him and another guy named Zach, Kenny is this like unassuming, like pro athlete. Like he's the guy who like you get in a push-up contest with. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we can go. And then he does 100. You know what I mean? He's that kind of guy. Like, doesn't matter what he does, he just owns it and just literally dominates. Zach is a, was a D2 soccer player, just a great athlete. And so we're getting ready uh, to go do this race in Gainesville, Florida. And so we go and we jump in, we start the race, and we're at a pretty good pace. We're passing people, we're feeling good about ourselves, and we're going along. And I'm like, man, this is really good. We're doing all the obstacles. So Savage Race, in case you don't know, it's not just running. It's like 15 to 17 obstacles while you run. So a lot of upper body, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of stuff like that. So anyways, we're cruising along. We're getting through about three-fourths of the way through. Man, I'm starting to feel it, but we're almost there. We're almost done. I was like, hey, guys, like, you know, we've been passing everybody. We're doing great. I was like, hey, if y'all are, like, waiting on me, y'all can just go ahead. And I thought for sure, you know, I'm keeping up with them. They just left me. Like, they blew me out of the water. They just sprinted off. And I was like, all right, great, guys. Thanks a lot. Good race, you know. And so they finished, like, two or three minutes ahead just by that sprint. But so appreciate those guys waiting up for me. Right? It was fun. It was a good time. So I want to ask you, I want to take a little poll. How many of you have run like a Savage Race or a Tough Mudder? Anything like that? Raise your hands. Okay, so we got like 15 in the room. All right, what about a marathon? Who in here has run a marathon? Oh, man, the marathoners are putting their hands up high. <laughs> They're like, what? Okay. So like, uh, raise them again. I want to see this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, no, almost 10. Wow, it was more than I thought. All right, Iron Man. Okay, we got one. Anybody else? Iron Man. Okay. I was honestly, I was, I was pretty sure nobody's going to raise their hand, but you know, hey. So here's the thing. How many of you in this room, you see, you know, 10 raise their hand for a marathon. How many in this room would think and do think even now, man, I will never run a marathon in my lifetime? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. <laughs> there it is. I mean, that's over half, right? Maybe three-fourths in this room. I mean, I feel that way. Like, the most I've ever run is like five miles, right? And so, like, for me to think 26 miles 
There's no way. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it in my lifetime. But here's the thing. You could. I could. It's all about training and taking a first step. Think about it. What's your first step? Maybe it's for you. It's, man, I've got to run one minute today, right? And then tomorrow I'll run two minutes. And then on the third day I'll run three minutes and it progresses. And then all of a sudden a month later you're running 15 minutes at a time. And then a couple of months later you're running 30 minutes at a time. And then all of a sudden you realize a year later, a year and a half later, you're getting close to being ready for a marathon. You have to train, but you have to make that initial first step. And I'll bet that this morning that there's many of you in this room who are going, man, I feel that way when it comes to Christianity. When it comes to my faith, you think, man, I'll never get there. Like the person who invited me this morning, I'll never be as godly as that guy. I'll never be as godly as that girl. That addiction that I have, I'll never overcome that addiction in my life. I'm never going to get through this situation in my life. I feel like there is no chance for me in this lifetime when it comes to Christianity in me. You ever feel like that? Are you feeling like that this morning? Here's the thing. You could. It's a step. Specifically, when it comes to Christianity, the step is is that I'm going to trust in Jesus. It's not that you have to do a lot or be a lot. No, no. He's done everything for you. So that first step has already been taken care of. You just have to believe. It's literally you saying, Jesus, I trust you to save me. I trust you to change me. I trust you to work in my life because I can't work this out. I can't fix this problem. I can't create enough space in my life to become who I need to be. I need you. Is that you this morning? Is it you that's going, man, I could never be there, but it's that first step of saying, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna ask for forgiveness of my sons. Maybe that's you this morning. That's where we're headed today. My hope and my prayer is that God would transform your life by you taking an initial first step. And so we've been in, we're in our ninth week of our series called House Rules. So each week we have taken a cultural distinctive and we've taken it and we've broken it apart and it describes who we are at Grace. And so this week we're talking about simple steps. House rule number nine. Everyone has a step and we make it easy to find yours. So this morning specifically, we're focusing on that first step. That's why we're calling it our first step weekend. And so that's where we're headed. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. You can tap it on your phone. However you want to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 11. As you're turning there, I want to give you a little context. So I've told you that the the church of Corinth is the most like the American church today. Out of all the letters, out of all the churches in the New Testament, Corinth is the most like the American church today. Not only that, Paul in this chapter, chapter 15, he's kind of finishing up the letter. And what he's doing is he's making a case for the gospel. He's making a case for the resurrection of Jesus. And he's saying, hey, this is what I received and that I told you and preached to you. 
So he unravels all of that in chapter 15. And so I'm going to read. Chapter 15, verse 1. Paul speaking. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He says, hey, listen, Church of Corinth, I want to remind you of the good news. That word gospel literally means good news. I want to remind you of the good news I preached to you. Notice the phrases here, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. This is an all-consuming message. That's what he's saying. I gave you the good news that you received, that you stake your life on, that you place your hope in, and that is literally going to save you, that is saving you and rescuing you now. This is a big message. And he's going to unpack what all this good news looks like in a second. But he's making the case that don't miss this. This is a big deal. This good news. Let me tell you what, let me, let me just talk to you about this. I got a phone call from one of my best friends in high school this past week. He called me up. His name's Oscar. And his brother has been battling cancer for about a year and a half, two years. He's got some kind of weird stomach cancer that's, that he's been dealing with. He's in his late 40s, almost 50. He's the guy who is very successful. He's successful in his business. He likes ladies. And so some would say he's successful in that way. Others wouldn't. But he's a ladies' man. He's successful in his business. He's an entrepreneur. He's a driver. He likes to get things done. And all of a sudden, one day, he, he starts feeling bad. He goes to the doctor, and he's got cancer that's probably going to take his life. And so he's facing that for the past year and a half, two years. And my buddy called me up. He actually texted me three days before and said, hey, Orlando, his brother, has taken a turn for the worse. And he said, hey man, uh, just be praying. You know, we'll see what happens. So he calls me up, it's three days ago. And he's like, hey man, I was like, what's going on? What's the update? He's like, he's, he's stabilizing. You know, they're getting him out of the hospital. He's gonna go home. And then he just, my, my, my friend, he's an emotional guy, but he doesn't cry a lot. And he just started talking to me. He's like, hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with my prayer life right now. I was like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, I don't know what to pray. He said, I'm afraid that if I ask God, God, would you heal my brother? And he doesn't do it, that man, I'm, I'm gonna struggle with you, God. Like if you don't answer my prayers, I don't know what I'm gonna think about you, God. And so he was going, man, Clint, I, I wanna pray and I wanna ask God to heal my brother, but if he doesn't do it, what does that say about you, God? And how's that gonna shape my faith in you, God? And so he was just sitting there going, man, I don't know how to pray. And I was like, I just listen, try to encourage. And I finally just turned and said, hey, man, I get it. I feel that way sometimes. Like there's times in my life where I'm going, I don't want to pray because I don't know what it'll change about my view of you. And I said, but here's the thing, man. Like I think you're focusing on, on something that's important, but it's not the most important. And I said, man, while you're praying and asking God to heal his physical body, your brother's not a believer. You need to be praying and asking God and for opportunities to share Christ with him and that he would come to know Jesus. Why? 
Because his brother's literally staring at Oscar and he's saying, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any hope. And here's the thing. We have that hope. We have that hope. We do. And so I was like, Oscar, man, you need to be praying for his salvation. You need to be praying for his soul. That whether he lives or he dies, there is a bigger picture here. That he has something to look forward to no matter what. I was like, man, that's what I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying that you have that gospel conversation with him soon. And he's had it with him, and his brother's like, I don't know, and he's wrestling with it. But here's the thing. This message is all-consuming. So that even when you're facing cancer, it's this message that actually reaches you to the soul. That's what he's saying. Which you've received, in which you stand, in which you are being saved. This is a big message. How many of you need something bigger than your situation? I mean, maybe you're facing a situation that seems insurmountable. Maybe you need good news that trumps all the bad news in your story today, right now. Maybe that's the news that you need. And so we're going to take a look at this good news. Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Notice he says, as of first importance. This is the first step in Christianity. This is the bare bones of belief. We call it the gospel. But I want to ask you something. I'm going to dig in for just a minute. Do you know that this message is the most important message? Do you know that? Do you believe that? Think about that for a minute. Obviously, you need to believe this message. And that's the primary topic of the sermon today. I mean, it's first step. I want to believe in the gospel. I want to follow Jesus. That's the primary thing that we're talking about. But don't miss this. If you're a believer in this room, I want you to ask yourself this. Is this the main message I preach? When people think of me, what message do they think of? I mean, is it laws on gun control? How I feel about the president, views on the environment, on homeschooling, on equality in the workplace? Is this the message that I'm preaching? Don't get me wrong, these things are incredibly important. But are these the most important? What message do you preach the most? Paul says the gospel is the message that is primary in this life. I want to apply this. Think about it. Think about your social media platform, your typical conversations with others. What message are you preaching the most? And is it possible, is it just possible that your coworker, neighbor, or family member is turned off by the gospel because you're preaching a message louder than the gospel. Think about that. He says this is of most utter importance. This is of first importance. What I received from Christ. This is the message. And then he unpacks it. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So he says, hey, listen, here's the good news. The good news is, is that he died for our sins. And then he uses this phrase, in accordance with the scriptures, twice. Scriptures meaning Old Testament. 
I think, by and large, the Old Testament points forward to one who will save, one who will come and redeem, one who will fix the broken story that we're in, that we're a part of. So he says, Christ died for our sins, and he was buried, and he was raised on the third day. I think he's pointing to a specific passage as well. Isaiah 53. It's going to be on the screen. This is speaking of one that will come. And he's speaking of Jesus. This is years, thousands of years ago. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, speaking of Jesus, looking forward to the future, he was pierced for our sins, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, another word for sins. Upon him with the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're all broken. We're all fallen. We all mess up. We all have this messy thing called life, right? We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity, the sin, the transgress, the everything that we deserve death for. It was laid on Christ. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He gave his life for us. That's the message. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the truth that we need. Verse 6, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. I used to think that this section, this passage, was making this apologetic argument for the resurrection of Christ. I actually think what he's doing is, is he's saying, I received this message. And that all my other brothers who you respect, who you know are apostles, who you know are the significant figures of the faith, they received this message as well. And that it's being handed down one to another. This is the message of God. This is the true gospel. And then last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul's saying, I received it too. For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. This is, this is interesting. Paul says, as to one untimely born, that word literally means miscarriage. It literally means, if you were going to contextualize it, it means as to one who's almost like a freak. One who has missed the mark. One who is not enough. One who has fallen short. I am the least of the apostles. What he's saying is is that all you Corinthians, you think I'm unimpressive in person. You don't think a lot of me. As a matter of fact, I'm a chief of sinners. I'm a least of the apostles. I persecuted the church. I am a broken individual. 
That's what Paul's saying. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, my life has changed. By the grace of God, now I'm an apostle and a preacher of this message. Do you see the hope in this message coming from this broken man? Do you see that? It makes me think of my buddy. I was just texting with him this week as well. His name's Jacob. I got to know him in Georgia, and we became pretty good friends. Hung out a lot, talked a lot, went out to eat a lot. Our families would get together. And as I got to know him, he was this crazy driven guy. And he said, hey, man, I want to tell you my story. I was like, okay. So he starts to tell me that he was a pro golfer. He was an incredible golfer. And while he was golfing, I don't know if it was during while he was playing basketball or golfing, but somehow he, he hit his knee, and his knee just went out. So went to the doctor, they gave him pain meds, and he never got off the pain meds 14 years later. And he looked at me, and he said, I'm still on them. And I'm hiding it, and I look like I'm killing it at my job because my meds keep me on the straight on the driven path. I can go all the time. Nobody knows it. Nobody realizes it. But if I got off this stuff right now, I would go absolutely insane. And so I was sitting there talking to him. And he's like, but I know that I got to get off of them. I mean, I'm, I'm like going in dark corners to get them. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to keep getting this stuff. And so he started to wean off of the drugs. And all of a sudden, his life began to unravel lost the company that he owned, lost almost his marriage. I mean, just nightmare stuff. He's stealing stuff. He's pawning off his golf clubs. He's doing everything he can to get the drugs again after he weaned off. He's lying to his wife. He's lying to me. He's telling me that whatever he tells me is a lie. All of those kind of things. I mean, a big fat mess. He ended up going to jail a few years ago. Goes to jail gets out of jail. He's been 18 months clean. And I was texting with him. I was like, hey man, how's it going? He goes, I was like, I'm sharing your story tomorrow. I just want to, and he is fired up for Jesus, like the whole deal. And he goes, you tell them that God is still in the business of changing lives, that God is still in the business of moving rocks that you would never believe. And he's like, I'm one of those guys. He's like, you tell them that God can transform anybody because he's done it in my life. And so I want to say to you, like Paul, Paul saying, hey, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm a big, fat mess. My buddy was a big, fat mess. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I am really messed up. I'm broken or I'm arrogant. I think I can do it all on my own. And I'm currently in this state right now. Paul is saying that the message of Christianity is to bring you good news. There's hope for you. There's, there's a future for you, wherever you are. It's that initial first step of saying, Jesus, I know that I'm broken. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give my life to you. And so if that's you this morning, here's the thing. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And so we do this every so often. And so I'm going to literally ask y'all to, to bow your heads in a minute. You don't have to do it now. So half, half bowing. But you don't have to go there right now. But in a minute, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you that if it's you and God's speaking to you and he's saying, I want to intervene into your life. And you want to trust Jesus 
for the forgiveness of your sins and that you recognize that you're broken and that you need a rescuer, I'm just going to ask you to look up. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to call you up here or anything like that. You just have to look up to me. I'll nod at you and you look back down and then I'll pray. So let's do that. Let's go. I'm going I'm to pray a little bit and then I'm going to have y'all respond. Father, we ask that you would move here this morning, that you would move and change lives. Jesus, we recognize that we are broken and that we need a Savior, and Jesus, you're our Savior. And so, God, I pray for anyone who's considering that, God, that you would open their eyes to see it and that they would respond to your message in Jesus' name. And so as your heads are bowed, anyone who that is you, just look up, and I'll nod at you. Thank you. Awesome. Anyone else? Awesome. Okay. Anyone else? Who's saying, man, I want to respond, I want to believe, and I want to trust in Jesus today. I want to take my first step. That's you, just look up. Okay. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, let's pray. Father, we, um, we just acknowledge that you do great things. God, that even though we're broken and sinful, God, that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. And so, Father, I pray, I'm going to lead these people who looked up at me through a prayer. And this prayer doesn't save you, it's, it's responding to Jesus. And so, if, you're, if that's you, you can pray this prayer silently to God. And so, Father, we, um, God, I need you. I recognize that I am broken and a sinner. And I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead and that you are offering me life. And God, that you, um, that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. And so, I just confess that I'm a sinner and I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins and I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. Lord, thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.